The Start On Demand. On demand. What do facial scrubs have to do with being a nurse? That's just one question many Manitobans had about an ad campaign that was being shared by the province on Thursday. Carbon tax confusion. It kicks in on Monday. How will the tax work? How does the rebate work? We'll speak to an expert and we'll speak to the owner of a greenhouse who is still unsure if he'll be exempt or not. We'll tee up the fourth annual Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, which we'll be hosting at the Met on April 19th. Make sure to vote for the start for Radio Show of the Year at winnipegnightlifeawards.com. And McNabb has been baiting us all week with her fish puns, so we'll try to hook you with a montage that recaps all of them. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, March 29th podcast for The Start. Greg, when Kelly Moore walked in this morning, he said, oh, Mackling is not going to be a happy camper today. What happened, Greg? <laughs> Silence? Jets had a 4-2 lead going to the third period last night. They lost 5-4. Oh, the boy. Islanders scored two goals in the last two minutes, 30 seconds apart. We are down one television in our house. Seriously? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I actually, I actually imagined a scene, so a scene of you. Uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Is yep. it, would it go down by you throwing something at the no. TV or just the TV would just get chucked? Like how, what in your mind? How does just, this work? No. I, yeah. The remote control will go right through it. But I, I, you know, I've got two young boys in the house that are impressionable. I can't. Can maybe Jackie Childs speak for, on my behalf of how I'm feeling this morning? Oh, yes. Uh, stand by. Here we Jackie go. Jackie Childs is, of course, uh, Kramer's lawyer on Seinfeld. And we often say on this program, life uh, can be summarized quite often by either a scene in Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Friends. And in this case, it is Seinfeld. It's outrageous, egregious, preposterous. <laughs> it's definitely preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to come across that we're take, I'm taking pleasure in your, oh, your misery, sorry, I am. my friend. But you, I, I bring it up because your misery is probably being shared by many. There's no question about it. The other words that came across my uh, across my mind this morning: exasperated, frustrated, heartbroken, infuriated. Take your pick. Some combination of all of the above. Uh, Jets fans will be looking at games against Edmonton, Toronto, San Jose, and last night, eight points that the Jets have absolutely thrown a, away this season. And uh, as a text message that I got at about uh, 10 o'clock last night said, this does not bode well for the playoffs. I don't know about that. Uh, Paul Maurice was not impressed. So I'm not impressed thusly, and uh, I will do my best to get out of my, my bad mood. You guys usually get me out of it. Greg, we've been talking a lot as well in recent days about wait times up for hip and knee surgeries. Yeah, the Canadian Institute for Health Information released their national survey yesterday, and it revealed that Manitoba's wait times for hip, knee, and cataract surgery is actually longer in 2018, or was in 2018, than it was in 2016. Health Minister Cam Friesen joined us on the air yesterday. We asked all sorts of questions, and including the reasons behind this. And one of the reasons given for the lengthier wait is a higher demand for these services. CEO of the Refit Center on Taylor Avenue is Sue Boreski. She joins us here. And Sue, you play an important role for those that have had or are going to have hip, 
and knee replacement. Obviously, the cataract surgery doesn't affect you in any way, but you play a critical role in in getting people ready for these surgeries and also in rehabilitating them. Maybe you could outline uh, how the how the refit is involved in that entire process. For sure. I guess the first thing, uh, Greg, is we, we would like people to be more preventative and, and think ahead of time, even before you get to that stage. Really good but point. But let's say you do have, um, you know, for instance, if you injured your uh, your knee when you were very young. Uh, sometimes as you get older, you start getting some aches and pains again. And a lot of that can be to some degree controlled with strengthening exercises and cardiovascular work. So we have a program called Stronger Hip and Knee. And that's for people who already are having some issues with a various joint problems. And we stru- try to strengthen the, the joint uh, with muscle groups around the knee or the hip, depending on where this what the injury is or the problem, and that helps manage pain while you're waiting for the surgeries. What are you seeing at the refit center? If we're hearing that the demand is up, then I can only imagine you're you're getting phone calls daily from people looking for help. Is that is that fair? Yes, and and we have for years. I mean, it's it's not new that as you age that you you get problems with various joints, and it's not only hips and knees, it's shoulders, it's back, it's et cetera. So that is not uncommon. I think we're hearing it more because because of the uh, the report, uh, but there has been always a lot of people needing some kind of um, strengthening or uh, rehabilitation. Or post-surgery their, help, or, yeah. Or post-surgery. So when, when there was the, the change in terms of that post-surgical program in the hospital setting, we did start our program um, at the refit so that we gave people another option. So as you know that there were some hospitals that don't offer that post-surgical program, we immediately, within a week, um, had one in place to give people an option. Are we able to keep up with that? I mean, because we, this is part of the problem we don't probably think about where there's a preventative end. But then say you are waiting and you have that surgery, and if we're hearing that more and more people are doing it, as the health minister suggested yesterday, then that must be putting a strain on the back end for in terms of rehab. Is that a challenge for you? Well, Refit is always trying to expand and serve the community. So as, as you know, we have a large 10-year vision, and that's why we're looking at that, because as healthcare changes and as we get older, um, that brings new challenges to the system, and that includes us. So what we're looking at is what do we need to do in the future to prepare and serve the community better? Now, this facility, just for those that don't know, we were speaking off air and in our previous cel- segment about celebrating Winnipeg, but the Refit Centre is the top or one of the top facilities of its kind in the world. Several years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, you were awarded the top uh, facility of its type on the planet. So this this is top shelf care people receive when they come to the refit. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we still hear people don't know what we do. And I think we're, we're known for cardiac rehab from many years ago. but Rightfully so, but it's not the only thing you do. Correct. We can deal with, well, first of all, we'd like again to emphasize People need to think more about prevention and not getting perhaps um, or to manage their health more as much as possible. But as you know, as we age or things happen in life, you have various conditions. And really, there's not much we cannot deal with. Cataracts, you mentioned, they ask, that's not something we can handle. But in terms of any type of uh, illness that's related to has some relationship to lifestyle management, we can help. And we have an interdisciplinary team from everything, physicians, nurses, physiotherapists, athletic therapists, kinesiologists, massage therapists, foot care nurse. We have the gamut all together, working together for a team. So if you need some support, we can pull in some other expertise. Do I have to have a referral to get there or can I, can I just show up and say help? 
you can come in and say help. Um, we do get a lot of referrals from various physicians or, or uh, physiotherapists in the, in the city as well as um, nurse practitioners, but you do, that's not the only means. You can just c- call us and we'll help guide you in terms of where you need to go. But how revolutionary is this model to have all these services under one roof? It, it seems absolutely, it seems almost too good to be true, quite frankly. I think Winnipeggers are, are way too humble. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do is get that message out that we are quite fortunate that people were pioneers 40 years ago to start something like Refit. And when I have visitors visit the Refit, they're just blown away that they said, I've never seen anything like this in my travels. So we think it is uh, unique, um, world-class, and Winnipeggers just don't know enough about what we do here and how different it is than other places in the world. The website is refit.com. That's R-E-H-F-I-T.com. Subareski is CEO of the Refit Centre on Taylor. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate the visit. Thank you. Hey, what do facial scrubs have to do with being a nurse? Uh, That's the question Manitobans are asking this morning about this ad campaign that we've been talking about that was shared by the province yesterday and actually for several weeks now. The idea behind the campaign was recruitment, but one of the images used had the nurses union crying foul. This picture shows three women laughing and what appears to be taking selfies while getting facial treatments. And then on one of the women, a stethoscope and nurse's uniform was photoshopped in. So, so this is a stock footage it's stock or a stock footage photo. that they got from, you know, iStock photos, Google stock, who knows? Right. And then, so there's three women, all of whom are having facials, and then they've, they've photoshopped on nurses' scrubs and a stethoscope. This is not someone that anybody that has actually created this, created the actual picture or posed for this picture in this uniform or in this outfit. It's actually photoshopped. From right. some you can other... find the same photo elsewhere on Correct. the internet that doesn't have the Do- nurses or doctored differently. There's doctored differently. There, it all, there's also photos of you know someone in the snow, snow showing someone at an art gallery. But the, all these women had their nurses' scrubs added on. So it actually prompted the health minister to tweet and agree that it was odd and that he shares the same concerns as everyone else and he ordered them removed. So the ads are gone. But as far as the nurses' union is concerned, it really speaks to a bigger issue. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Nurses' Union and joins us now. Good morning, Darlene. Good morning. So we heard you uh, in your tweet, you called the campaign tone deaf. What do you mean by tone deaf? Well, I think one of our biggest issues is we've been asking uh, to come to the table to talk, um, to bring our voices forward and our, our, our ideas forward. Uh, since about 2017 with uh, these transformations, with the consolidations, with the cuts and changes to our healthcare system. We've been totally ignored. We've, um, we've, I mean, nurses have been speaking out more in the last year than I've seen it since the 90s about the effect of the cuts and changes on our healthcare system. We know nurses are working uh incredible amounts of both mandatory and voluntary overtime. We know the workload is crushing out there. And this government has totally ignored our pleas. Uh, nurses are writing directly to the Minister of Health and getting, you know, I've received your letter and type of things. Um, I've been speaking out on their behalf many, many times in the media about what it's like in these emergency departments, what it's like in our facilities all across this province, and we've been totally ignored. 
when this came out, it was um, it was it absolutely brought to the forefront for nurses in this province that there is a huge disconnect between what the WHA and what the um, government sees is happening on the front lines to what nurses are telling me, what nurses are telling, uh, you know, the public is telling um, telling them what is really happening out there. And it there's a huge disconnect, clearly, when they think that, you know, a nurse has time for a facial. Darlene, have, wearing scrubs and a stethoscope. Darlene, have you seen this email and this newsletter that went out to members and to, to those of the WRHA from Real Cluche with regards to the changes that have been taking place and this this cycle and the, these different uh, layers and levels of of change that might be experienced by by 30,000 staff uh, within the province of Manitoba who are, are providing health care? The Valley of Despair email, I absolutely, I have not only seen it, I have heard from many, many nurses' uh, comments uh, regarding it. Well, we made a comment this morning that it very closely resembles the seven stages of grief, and we're not trying to make light of it in any way. Uh, The five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, part of the the grieving process. And then when you look at this flow chart from the from the province and, and from the WRHA, denial or shock, frustration, the valley of despair, as you mentioned, experiment, finding the new way, acceptance and integration. It, it sounds exactly the same to us. Well, you know what? It's, it's funny, but I, I thought of exactly the same thing when I read it. I thought of the stages of grief. And you're right. I believe that nurses are going through the stages of grief because they are actually mourning the loss of a healthcare system that we um, that we worked in, that we knew that we were giving safe, quality patient care, that we actually had time to spend time with our with our patients to actually deal with their psychosocial and their psychological needs. Uh, we're 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 mourning the loss of that system because the system we have now um, does not allow for um, for any of that. The system now is. Um, totally broken and nurses are mourning the loss of that system but mourning the loss of the ability to provide the care that we know that we should be providing and that we know Manitobans deserve. Are you running out of patience? We had the health minister on yesterday and we asked him a few times do we have a timeline? Do we have evidence to show when we will start to see these promised improvements and one couldn't be given but we would, I would have allowed, and I think Manitobans would have allowed two years ago, that you know you need to give these changes some time. Are, are your nurses past that point where they think we, more time will make a difference and we'll start to see that upswing? Well, I think that the uh, I think the nurses have totally lost patience. We've been uh, phase one uh, rolled in um, much too rapid with very little um, input from. Um, Frontline providers, absolutely no input or input from frontline providers, and we just uh, and nurses have been trying to um, uh, bring forth their feelings and their issues with how things are going and how uh, their ability to provide the type of care that we need to provide has been affected by these changes. Our concerns have fallen on deaf ears. Um, nurses are, are, are directly writing to the Minister of Health or writing to the WRHA and their employers and talking about um, the implications of this and talking about um, how they feel their care has been affected. And 
I think the frustration is out there among nurses is huge. The, you know, the overtime, the mandated overtime has been such a big issue for nurses. You know, what other profession do you know where you can uh, go to work for a day shift and then have no idea whether you're going to be going home at the end of that day shift? Darlene, I'm going to jump in just because we're running out of time. Sorry, Darlene, we're running out of time, but I want to get this question in. Are there any upsizes that your members are expressing to you with regard to these changes? There must be something positive coming out of this, no? No, there's, uh, we haven't seen an upside yet. What, what, I'm say, what I'm hearing from members is we keep getting promised that there's going to be um, positive changes, like there's going to be some positive effects to these changes, but there absolutely has been no positive effects that we can see. We know our wait times are up. We know that patients are getting um, uh, far uh, care far less than we want to provide, and so I have, we haven't seen anything positive yet. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Nurses Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Darlene, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. What was that? We were on the offbeat. I know. Was that purposeful? Was, no. <laughs> I don't think uh, any of us should be proud of what just happened. I have in no the last ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, when we start our band, Kelly is not our drummer. No. no. Or bass player. All, all work behind the scenes. Excellent. We are playing the theme for the Jeffersons because Jeff Forte is moving on up today. Forte is moving out. So excited. Who's happier, you or your parents? Probably me. Yeah? I had trouble sleeping last night. I was so excited. Really? Oh, yeah. That's cute. Are when does the packed? party start? Uh, when I get everything moved in. <laughs> Come on by. I was more an invite to help him move, I think, than it was an invite to any party. I already checked. He's got it covered. He's got uh, enough people to help him out. But yeah, Forte is moving out for the first time. How old are you, Forte? 27. And uh, are, do, you, do you ever regret waiting until now to do it? Not but not, not criticizing you. I oh, was no, 28 yes. when I moved out. No, no, no. I, you know, kind of embarrassed that I'm this old. But uh, then again, a lot, of my, a lot of my friends are still at home and, you know, I was able to save money. So that's the main point. Cool. It, it's easy for me to say, or, or people to say, oh, yeah, you should be embarrassed or whatever, but the times have changed, oh, right? We don't move time. out. People don't move out at 18 like they did yeah. 20 years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I, I moved out at 28 because I went to went back to school mm-hmm. when I was 24. Right. And my parents gave me the option, well, you can stay here as rent-free if you're going to school. So I took advantage of that. But then I got my first job right out of school here, and I was working weekend overnights twice. So twice a week. I was working 10 hours a week. So I figured I'll just stick it out for a couple of years, and eventually I was able to move out. But we wanted to talk about our first place. So Forte is excited for his first place. Jeff, when did you fly the Cooper? Altona. 18. Right at 18. Yep. Moved to Brandon to go to college and I rented a room in this lady's basement. It was a room and board kind of situation and she cooked for me. I hope she's not listening because I'm going to say something mean here. <laughs> oh, no. She cooked for me, but she is a terrible cook. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, but you're a, picky, least, you're a picky eater. My Let's... least favorite food is eggs and she liked to make scrambled eggs for supper every night. Oh, they could have been so, good scrambled eggs, but it wouldn't have mattered. I ate a lot of McDonald's that year. She also did my laundry for me, which is all right. 
What? That's not moving out. That was included in the price. I said, where's the washer and dryer? She's like, they're kind of finicky. If you if you don't mind, I'd prefer to do that for you. Who paid like, for right. your rent? Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was the rent? What, 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 was, what was room and board I back have then? I no idea. Do you remember? I think it was maybe 185 a month. Well, that's pretty good. That is good. Uh, I, know, I remember I went to school in Brandon for the whole year and room and board. All for I spent for less than five thousand dollars. That's wow, that's fantastic! Yeah, that is crazy. What about you, Kelly? Uh, Eighteen as well. Uh, worked uh, my first job in Kamloops, three forty one Arrowstone Drive. I had a <laughs> below floor level apartment. If memory serves me correct, I was making eight hundred bucks a month, and I believe the rent was about two hundred and seventy five a month. And I probably have more money then than I ever have had since. But uh, yeah, no, it was it, it was just one of those things. Back in the day, you either went to school or you went to work. And uh, I was lucky; I got a job and and was able to be on my own as early as I did. I remember my dad sticking a fifty dollar bill in my uh, in my car and say, "Don't ever ask me for another thing." Wow. Yeah, yeah. You're on your own now, big boy. Mm. Holy my God! Yeah. Yeah. I didn't sunk that I, with parents like that have been done. <laughs> no, it was, it was just it, it, he wasn't being mean no, or anything. Was no, that was the message. Uh, yeah. uh, but was was that the case? Pardon me. Was that the case? Did at, at any point did you ever go back? No. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. yeah well, good. What about you, McNabb? You've been all over the world. I'm actually Google mapping right now. My very first apartment was in Ottawa. I moved out at 18 to go to school. To university in Ottawa. So first year was residence, so I don't really count that because you, 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 it's all set up for yeah. you. Um, so second year, I lived in an apartment. Is living in res as awesome as it sounds? Well, I think I told the story before about how my mom changed my form and I ended up in an all-girls residence. And so it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but it was really great. Like Lots of really great friendships were made and it was a good transition because you still had the cafeteria and things like that where your meals were part and parcel of the, the whole package. And so it wasn't as hard as it could have been, mm. but the next year when we moved into this apartment, there were six girls and we lived in this house uh, on Kent Street in Ottawa, and I couldn't sleep for like the first month because there was all the traffic noises, and I come <laughs> from the farm and it was bright, mm. and I was like, I'm never going to sleep again, it's so noisy here, like it was on a it was on a one-way street with four lanes and so much traffic, and I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done, like that's so loud Did here. it ever switch? Because for me it switched, now if it's too quiet I can't sleep. Now, and so, Same. Yes, so then eventually years later Later, when I've gone back to the farm to sleep, you're like, why? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, I was convinced people were watching from the bush, you know what I mean? Because you're like, so quiet, it's creepy. There's nothing like sleeping in the trailer in my dad's yard in Minnedosa, and you hear the coyotes howling, almost phoned uh, conservation one night because I was sure there was a cougar stalking me in my trailer. I could <laughs> I could hear the bushes rustling and, and something that sounded like a deep kind of... It's like, oh man, I, so I'm being stalked right now. Moving into the trailer doesn't count as moving away from No, home. no, no. That was way much later in life, and I, I had a couple of false starts in terms of moving out, but I guess the first time I really kind of went out on my own big time was when I moved to Calgary in 91 with my buddy Jared, and we lived on Frobisher Bay in Calgary, and... Uh, I thought you were going to say you lived on frozen yogurt. No, no, no. But uh, he sent me a picture of the old apartment just the other day. He says, this brings back good memories, and I would concur with you, Jared. On Monday, you're going to start feeling an extra pinch in your pocket. 
Yeah, fuel, natural gas, propane, that's, you know, they're all going to be hit when the carbon tax kicks into effect on Monday. And we're talking this morning about the possible ripple effect that that might also have on everything from groceries to your plane ride because the tax will get applied on other things. So we want to find out what that means for you. We know it's going to cost the average household about $233 more per year, but there's also talk of this rebate. And we want to figure out how that's going to work for everyone. And so to explain more, we're joined by Evelyn Jacks, who is with the Knowledge Bureau. Good morning, Evelyn. Good morning. Let's go to the bad news first. Where is the tax being applied and what would the hit be to the average person? Well, the tax is fairly broadly applied. I think for most of us, we're focused in on the gasoline uh, tax, which is going to go up by 4.42 cents on April the 1st. Um, But there are other implications. There's going to be increases in aviation gasoline, for example, uh, 4.98 cents. And uh, we're also seeing kerosene and propane, marketable natural gas, non-marketable natural gas, a whole series of federal fuel fuel charges uh, in our provinces. But to offset that, as you mentioned, we've got something called the Climate Action Incentive, and that's going to bring to a family of four $339, but you have to file your tax return in order to claim it. So it's going to be really important for you to do that right away. So, Evelyn, uh, diesel, natural gas, gasoline, are these all being, you mentioned a couple of different rates. They're, they're being charged a different rate depending on, on which product it is? Yes, that's correct. And so what we might see is a trickle-down effect, some uh, increases at the consumer level, uh, but it's too early to tell you know, whether or not that's going to happen. We know lots of people talk about that effect. You know, if if a truck driver has to pay more, then your grocery bill might go up because he has to ship those groceries but pay more, and that will be the ripple effect there. That's just one example. But if I want to try to get that money back, if I don't put fill it out on the tax form, like I'm not getting this automatic check like I do for GST or uh, with your family tax or with your kids or anything, I, I have to apply for it? Well, uh, just like the GST uh, credit, you're going to, which is, um, it's a mechanism that is filed for through your personal income tax return. Uh, similarly, the climate action incentive is going to be claimed on Schedule 14 of this year's tax return. So, if you're not sure about where that is and you're doing your own tax return this weekend, take a look in your software. You'll find Schedule 14, and it's going to be reasonably easy to uh, file for that. But of course, like anything else in tax filing, it comes with its complications. So you might want to seek some professional help this year, which is the first year of the program. Yeah, I did my taxes uh, last week at H&R Block, and uh, they, they said, oh, there's a carbon tax rebate, so you get $170. And I said, okay, that's great. So yeah, when do you get that, you Evelyn? How does that, how does that come back to you? Does it, it come off your taxable? How does that work? Yes, uh, that's correct. What it's going to be is it's a a claim that uh, you uh, get against your income tax return is refundable to you. And uh, therefore, even people who have no income should file a tax return in order to claim it. So this is how it would work for the average Manitoba. But what if I'm a Manitoba business owner? I know we're hearing a lot of confusion out there about how it might work 
for businesses. Yeah, uh, business owners are not going to have a special credit, although there is some uh, relief for farmers. Uh, there's also some relief for residents of rural communities who will have an increase in their climate action incentive by 10%. But you have to find yourself on a special map that the government has online. If you are living uh, outside of a census metropolitan area, you're going to have to find uh, which municipal, uh, municipality you're closest to and if you live outside of this, then you'll qualify for the extra 10%. Some people are, are criticizing this rebate and saying, well, if you want us to change our habits, why are you giving us back money that you're taking from us uh, that is going to be generated by us purchasing things like gasoline, natural gas, etc.? But I had it explained or saw it laid out the other day uh, as clearly as I'd seen it laid out. And Evelyn, I'll get your take on this. Uh, Some people suggested, as an example, if you cycle and only use a bicycle or a bus pass to to get around, you'll actually end up putting money in your pocket because you won't be paying directly. I know there are the cascading effects of this tax, but you won't be directly paying any of the carbon tax on the products that you use because you're not using gasoline. So you could actually be revenue positive for some people who are are living closer to, uh, to off the grid, if you like. Yes, and of course, this is a big issue of our future, is how do we save our planet? And I think conceptually, people are on board with that. It is a choice architecture uh, kind of a move. In other words, uh, we are trying to nudge people to uh, use uh, less greenhouse pollution uh, in their daily lives. But the issue becomes that uh, from an infrastructure point of view, it's harder in a place like the prairies because we have fewer alternatives, and especially in the smaller communities. So what the government has pledged to do is to try and give back uh, some of the money that's being uh, collected directly to the communities. It's mostly going back in regard to this rebate uh, to individuals, but also there's going to be support going back to schools and hospitals and small businesses uh, in a a variety of different ways. So we'll have to see whether or not that money uh, translates into new infrastructure spending that makes it easier for us to get around without actually using gasoline. Evelyn Jacks with the Knowledge Bureau joining us live this morning to talk about the carbon tax, which begins on Monday. Evelyn, thank you, as always, for the time and access. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So we've been talking this morning about the carbon tax. Yeah, and if you don't know, you need to know it kicks in Monday and it will be applied to everything from gas, diesel, natural gas, propane, kerosene. The federal government says it will add about $230 more in expenses to the average Manitoba home. As for businesses in this province, it's not really clear what the hit will be or potentially if they'll be taxed at all. There are supposed to be some exemptions like for farm. Schreimer's is one of the largest garden centre operators in this province, and Scott Schreimer is its owner. And he joins us now to explain what he knows, or perhaps it's more aptly said, what he doesn't know or can't seem to find out about this carbon tax. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Okay, so the, the, the hit to you would be on your natural gas bill if you are taxed. Do you know right now, Scott, if you are or aren't going to be taxed? Well, currently, according to the federal legislation, it looks like uh, greenhouse operations, whether it be a commercial operation that uh, grows food or bedding plants, trees or shrubs, will receive an exemption up to 80% of the cost of uh, the inputs. 
So why 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 that exemption, uh, Scott? Just for those that might be uh, yelling at the radio right now. Well, why do you get an exemption? Why don't I get an exemption? Well, that's that's a good question. I, I would think that uh, first of all, uh, giving business giving business an exemption isn't a bad thing. It, it's it's not it's not easy to run a business. There's lots of uh, lots of things that uh, business people have to do in order to provide jobs for people, and we compete we compete not only in our own district not only in our own country, but we compete to a large degree. We compete globally, and not everybody is treated the same in every jurisdiction. So, you know, adding an extra tax or an extra levy or an extra charge onto somebody's bottom line makes them extremely uncompetitive. Now, you said you're supposed to, in theory, believe that you're being exempt, but I understand you've tried to confirm that because you want to make sure you're not going to suddenly have this huge heating bill or natural gas bill by the end of the month or the end of the year, and you've made some phone calls. Do you have do you have faith that you're not going to be taxed in this process? Uh, well, I, I, I think uh, I have faith that I'm not going to be taxed. Uh, it's been a little bit difficult to find that information out. Uh, when we scrapped the tax here in Manitoba, the idea was from the provincial side that we were going to receive an 80% um, exemption. But once uh, our conservative government got rid of our our carbon tax and backed out of the plan, we were being imposed with this federal one. So none of the federal documentation seemed to have been updated in a timely manner. So when I started looking into it about six weeks ago, making phone calls, trying to find out the relevant information, it was very difficult to find. So I reached out to my representation at the the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And I I put it in in their court. So they've met with their federal counterparts and they've had discussions. And I think they talked to the federal minister uh, on the 23rd of March. So, he reached out to me yesterday. I found out where the exemption lies and, and, and the work that I have to do to get the exemption. But having said that, the exemption is, it's not entirely clear. It's, it's one thing to say that I get an 80% exemption, but what do I get an 80% exemption on? And that seems to be a little bit more difficult to determine. So do, do you know then or have any idea as to what this will end up costing you? Well, I haven't sat down to crunch the numbers exactly, but take for example, if I'm exempt 80% on my natural gas bill because I'm a I'm a commercial user and I use natural gas um, in the growing process, I'm exempt at 80%. So the other 20% I'm not. Does that 80% exemption does that extrapolate onto all the things that I use in my daily work? So let's say I, I buy horticultural material from a supplier in in BC. Am I exempt from the transportation at 80% from BC to Manitoba? There's no clear there's no clear answer as to what that 80% exemption covers. Now, I would say that it should cover anything that's touched by this poison pill. But that doesn't seem to be clear on their website, on the information that you get from the federal government. So I, I look at it this way and I say, you know what? Come up with a proper rollout. Indicate to all the sectors of the economy what it exactly is that you want, what is it exactly that you're going to tax us on, and stop with all this legal speak and stop putting the onus on the business person and start taking ownership of this tax on the federal level. So you, I, you, did you call Manitoba Hydro, for example, and ask what the hit would be there or how it's going to work? Like, What was the answer? Well, I've called Manitoba Hydro, but you know, un- unless you're unless you're trying to get higher up into 
the, uh, the food chain at Manitoba Hydro, which is not easy to do. Usually you have to contact your minister in order to effect some kind of change there. So if you phone customer service, you know, they don't know because they're not told. All they know is that they have to charge it. But you get a bill from you get a bill from Manitoba Hydro and it's got five different things, you know. Am I am I just going to get an eighty percent break on my primary gas? Am I gonna get it on my supplementary gas? What about my distribution from 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 the, the provider? So our natural gas comes from Alberta. Am I gonna are they gonna charge the carbon tax on the distribution from Alberta to Manitoba? And then I'm gonna get the exemption? So it's unclear as to where that exemption is going to fall and to all the things that it's going to touch. This must make it hard to plan for you then. I mean, are we talking like the potential that you get a bill at the end of the month or the end of the year that's thousands or tens of thousands of dollars more than you expected? Well, it, it depends It depends on your consumption. The higher your consumption, the, the more you expand your business, the more this is going to cost. And, and we have to bear in mind that this is, this is just the beginning. We, this is the $20 or $25 carbon tax. This carbon tax will only go up. And they don't tell you if you're going to have to reapply every year for the exemption. And they don't, they don't indicate anywhere that says that they can take this exemption away at any time. So you're left in this, in this quagmire. Am I always going to get this exemption? How do I plan for the future with this increased carbon tax when all these sectors in the North American Free Trade Agreement zone in the U.S. and in Mexico, they don't have it. So let's say you're a food producer. You're competing with Mexico in the winter. They're bringing up food. There's no carbon tax. There's no labor standards. And the Canadian government does nothing to level the playing field. They do absolutely nothing. They put undue burden on the Canadian producers, and they turn a blind eye to all the companies that ship from across the border. Scott, I hear your frustration, and it boils down to one thing in my mind, and that's uncertainty. Uncertainty is one of the biggest enemies of any entrepreneur of any business. And that's, and that's entirely right. And, and the federal government paints this whole scenario about, oh, the, the regular person is going to get this many dollars in their pocket at the end of the year. You know, that is such a – it's just a little bullet for them to sell this plan. What it does – is it punishes every business in the country. And they need to realize that businesses are job creators. And if you punish a job creator, ultimately you punish the population. Scott Schreiber. I'm all for being green, but there are ways to do this that are much more effective than the the rollout that they have with this carbon tax. Schreimer's is one of the largest garden center operations in the province. And Scott Schreimer, who we've been speaking to, is its owner, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Scott, thank you for this. Thank you very much. Now, if you're not familiar with Lauren McNabb and her love of puns, she loves puns. She even has a delightful book of puns. It's in, in her desk. It's like a Bible of sorts, yeah, right? Yeah, it was a gift uh, from Heather at Global, and um, I was just reading the insert on it, which I hadn't done before, and the author writes <laughs> that he loves to put pun to paper. <laughs> so this week, <laughs> she has been just steamrolling us with fish puns, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to come in just a touch early today and harvest all of those puns and try to mash them all together right now. <laughs> I'm not a shy fish. I'm very coy. Oh, jeez. 
Fourth, I am actually Googling fish puns while you wow, guys talk. I love puns. Boy. If you can think of a better fish pun, let me know. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop it! Damn it! It's a great opportunity. There it is. You can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish. <laughs> Anything is possible. You just don't trout yourself on this one. You can't do better. How many, how many fish puns can I there know, be? I've been Googling them. <laughs> There's so many. And I really? can't. I, I should dolphinately scale back, but I can't. <laughs> caller number seven at 204-780. Just caller number seven? Just caller number seven. Don't have to be a brain just. sturgeon to win this one. Look at that. There it is. <laughs> My voice goes so high either when I do a pun. Said yesterday I wasn't going to do any more. I would save it to the end. But when you trawl through these sites, I mean. Get out of here. Yeah. Maybe you just didn't shake out the cod webs before coming to work this morning. Oh, yes. Oh, you are one so fish decated guy. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> How many fish puns are there? There's so many. Millions. Oh, That's there's something fishy fair. about this. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely wasn't fair. I don't like They love this contest, and I don't expect them to clam down. Okay. <laughs> I, I forgot about the puns. So they're, I was looking forward to it. They're hooked on this. <laughs> and now I am done because Brett's disgusted. No, I'm It went from a joy. He was experiencing the joy with me. And I knew I'd get you there. I haven't seen that face in a while. The Brett face. The resting Brett face. Yeah, maybe I need to put together a montage of Brett's fish puns oh. uh, that we can run tomorrow. Because there have been many of them. And I, I really, honestly, I, I salute you. If you put the montage of puns together, I'm going to put a montage of your faces. It's all the same one. But it's it's yeah. kind of like you threw up in your mouth while looking at me. <laughs> well done, you guys. I, I used definitely twice. I'm mad at myself. Oh, I, but that was a different day. I just have in the context of a two minute montage. I you know sh- what John Oliver says about puns. Mm-hmm. They are not. Uh, I think puns are not just the lowest form of wit. But the lowest form of human behavior. Maybe Good he should Lord. take more time to mull it over. Mullet. <laughs> you know, you, are you making comment on his on his haircut? Mullet's a type of fish. Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, the fourth annual, coming up on April 19th at the Met. And this event will be hosted by Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And in studio with us, we have a couple of committee members with the Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards. We have Sarah Brooker, who is a committee member. She is hosting the red carpet. She is a makeup artist in this city. And Jordan Earl, partner at 441 Main as well as committee member. Good morning, Sarah and Jordan. Good morning. Good morning. Sarah, for those who don't know, what are the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards? Well, it's an excellent opportunity for Winnipeg to come together and celebrate Winnipeg talent, um, watch great performances. That's what uh, we all want to see. Uh, Vote. It's all about voting for best brand, best yoga studio. Um, The titles are all there. You guys, vote for you guys for best morning show. <laughs> that is definitely crucial okay. here. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Um, because it's down to um, the top five, and we want to make sure that you're getting your votes in by April 11th, um, and then it closes before the big awards. So we want to be all actively involved in that. Jordan, this is an opportunity to celebrate Winnipeg, and, and we're not always very good at that. We're, we're very self-deprecating at times. 
but things are changing in our community. We're doing so many uh, better things in terms of supporting local, creating local business and entrepreneurship. And that's really what this is about is, is celebrating who we are and what we're good at. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, some exciting things this year are Entrepreneur of the Year Award, um, some really cool local businesses, lots that we're familiar with, and it's a chance to kind of support those people and really recognize what they're doing in the city. Because like you said, we can be a little self-deprecating, and I, I think we're uh, we're a big city, or at least we're getting there, certainly well on our way, and a lot of exciting things going on. So local coffee shop, tattoo artist of the year, social media follow of the year, lots of really cool and exciting things you can get on there and vote for. So I think the big thing this year is it's not just nightlife, but it's uh, nightlife and lifestyle Mm -hmm. awards. And I think that's what it's been actually kind of the whole time. So it was nice to sort of really formally recognize that in the name of the awards this year with changing to nightlife and lifestyle awards. Having gone to the website a few times over the past few years, what's been cool for me is that because it lists so many at the beginning, right, as they narrow it down, there's been times where I've been like, oh, I don't even know who that is or what that is, right? You have to kind of do some research, which is is not a bad thing. I'm going to go check that place out. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, for sure, because it keeps you even more involved. And then uh, it makes aware of some new businesses or some uh, new great things that are happening. Yeah, I think there's uh, the, the cool thing about it is there's something for everybody. Like the name, uh, the, and I'm glad you changed the name because the name Light, Nightlife Awards might just turn people away just on perception alone. Like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't have anything to do with that. But when you look at the awards, you know, best restaurant, best lounge, best pub, or your favorite place, like there really is something for all ages, all demographics, I think, when you go to the website and look at all the categories you're celebrating. And then it creates this really excellent evening of um, everybody coming together and celebrating each other and recognizing each other's talents and what everybody brings to the table. There's going to be great performances as well. So that even opens up our eyes to some new talent that might be in the city. Um, And then hosted by you three that are very lovely. So it just like, it makes for um, fun and great energy and bringing the people together. Um, I'm hosting the red carpet, which is going to be like a chance. So you want to buy VIP tickets so that you can be involved in the whole evening from beginning to end. The end being at 441 Main with Jordan here. So we want to... um, have you involved in the whole thing? Watch the awards, um, be on the red carpet, wear your best outfit, like feel your best and look your best and uh, come out and celebrate. Yeah, I think that's cool, right, Jordan? Like, this is a big party. I was really impressed last year. Mackling and McGarry got to present one of the awards and had teleprompters. Yeah. And, like this wasn't. And there's hundreds of people. I think. Yeah. I think the goal is uh, the six, nominees are. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's at like the Met Theater. You couldn't have yeah. a, a better venue for this event. It is so Winnipeg. The history oozes out of that building and into the room. It's unmistakable where you are. It's not a nameless, faceless room. It it, it really plays into the the whole idea of what we're celebrating. Yeah, 100%. I think the fact that it's a beautiful, uh, well-run venue, a a gorgeous room, a lot of history in the city really contributes to it being a celebration of the city and um, so that that's really exciting for us to have it in such a beautiful spot. And I think Sarah had mentioned that after party this year, uh, if I can add in, is going to be at 441 <laughs> Main. So well, another we, beautiful uh, room, another beautiful building in our community. True. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. And a beautiful old historic building, that's too, right. not just the room inside. But yeah. So, Jordan, when you look at the fact that this is now the fourth awards and that the you've expanded some of the categories as well, uh, and it, it's do you get the sense that the, the, the sense of community continues to expand where everybody is not just they're they're not 
sort of falling into that old Winnipeg trap of uh, Winnipeg sucks. Yeah, not at all. And like, I, I think something for me that's exciting is I, I like to think I'm pretty connected to the city and pretty in the know, but I, I've still gone on our website and, and looked up some of the people that are nominated in top five and even the top 10 and been like, hey, you know what? I haven't checked that place out. I, I think I'm going to go do that. And I've done that for the past few years. And I've had a chance to check out some really cool restaurants and even small coffee shops like Coffee Shop of the Year is, this, is nominated. And uh, it's been really cool to see some of the spots that, you know what, maybe if you go about your day-to-day routine, you might miss. It's interesting to hear you say that because some of them might be competition for you, but you're too, but it's allowing you to go out to hey, check out the competition, but also why not? It's not it's not competitive at the mm-hmm. end of the day in that sense. You're When you do well, others do well. I think that we all contribute to one another by providing um, a lot of cool things and a lot of mm-hmm. interesting things to see and do in the city. Is that the, the change of mind that sort of has taken place in the last decade or so? I know years ago, my grandfather could never understand the idea of all the restaurants door to door next to each other on <clears> Corden <throat> Avenue. He's like... They're stealing each other's business and had to explain to them, no, it, it, it makes it an epicenter for for foodies. And so you just go down to Corridan and then you pick a place to eat. And we're at that place and that and that point in business in Winnipeg, I think, where it's more complimentary than anything else. I think so, too. I don't think it's a scarcity mindset anymore. I think it's the idea that we all um, do this together and we grow the opportunity and grow the attraction together. Like you said, whether it's you go down to Corridan or you go down to... Osborne to check out the shops or more and more you go downtown to get get a coffee or if you want to go out in the evening or grab a bite to eat before you go to a Jets game there's a lot more places to do that and I think with more and more people moving into the downtown and more and more people moving into the city it's going to create more and more opportunity with different types of businesses and different things to do and see. WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com is the website. The event is April 19th at the Met. We've been speaking with committee members Jordan Earle, who is a partner at 441 Main, and Sarah Brooker, who will be hosting the red carpet. And make sure you follow them both on social media. Jordan and Sarah, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us again. Yeah, thank you. And again, vote for the start for Radio Show of the Year. We'll be hosting the event. We are stoked for that. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.